concluded, we're going to talk about the fact that uh, real Christianity uh, is always a battle. That real Christianity is a battle. That when we decide to follow Christ, uh, we are joining the battle. It's God's fight, but we're in the battle. And we're going to talk about that, that this morning. You know, w- w- I want to remind us that the, does the Bible talk about uh, peace, joy, and the abundant life? Yes, the Bible does, but, but also the Bible talks about the fact that we're in a, a spiritual battle, and the adversary in this battle is the devil. Now, I know I've just made a few of you really uncomfortable because we don't, uh, you know, th- it's the, we, we don't like to use that name. We don't like to talk about the adversary. We don't like to talk uh, about the devil. In fact, we have a, a huge problem with that in, in Western culture that we don't like to use the name. We don't like to talk about that. That sort of gives power to the, the whole idea. And, and in the Western culture, our, our worldview typically says that I, everything can it be explained um, by science uh, or by, you know, common sense uh, that, that we can explain anything that happens. But the truth is that when it comes to the idea of evil, we run out of explanations. And what's also really interesting is, is that th- this is a Western problem, that if you go to Asia or Africa or South America, they don't have a problem talking about the devil. They understand uh, the spiritual battle. I think it's sort of interesting today that <coughs> if you watch television, uh, just scroll through the guide sometime and look at all of the shows that really focus on, the theme of the show is the whole idea of evil. There's a, a new show called Constantine and, and, and he battles, the, uh, you know, he's been to hell and back, he battles hell. Uh, we th- the the media is really comfortable talking about hell, talking about the devil, talking about the enemy. It, it's Jesus that they're really hesitant to talk about. And then we come to church and we want to talk about Jesus, but we don't want to hear anything about the adversary. And this morning, that's exactly what we're going to talk about, because the Bible doesn't have a problem referring to the devil. In fact, in First Peter 5, 8, it says this, be sober minded, Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So what we know is that if we're a follower of Jesus, that we're in a spiritual battle. And the adversary in that battle uh, is the devil. And that's a real thing and a real challenge and something that we need to be aware of and need to be prepared for. Uh, I was thinking about it this week, and there was an old movie that some of you might remember called The Silence of the Lambs. And in The Silence of the Lamb is about Hannibal Lecter. And listen to this quote. It's the FBI psychologist, Chris Starling, asked a question to Hannibal Lecter. She said, what happened to you to make you this way? Because the assumption is always that it's your circumstances, it's your environment, it's something that's happened to you in your past that's, that's caused you to be like this. Listen to what he says in this. And this is just from the movie. Nothing happened to me, Officer Starling. I happened. You can't reduce me to a set of circumstances or to a set of influences. You see, evil is real. And it would be naive of us and it would be wrong of us not to acknowledge that, not to understand that. But in the face of evil, God provides, God equips, God prepares us. 
And that's really going to be our focus this morning because we serve a holy God and, and that holy God is not always going to put up with the schemes of the devil. That holy God is not always going to allow the devil to, to run free. And the very first thing that he tells us to do, the very first thing that God tells us to do is to put on the gospel. Put on the gospel. That every day we remind ourselves that the God of the universe loved us so much. That he loved us so much that he came to live among us, to teach us, to show us how to live. And then the God of the universe died on a cross so that we might have eternal life, so that we might be forgiven, so that we might break free of the evil that's in this world. And then he rose again, guaranteeing eternal life, guaranteeing us the promises, all the promises that God had for us. And so every day of our lives that we put on the gospel. Second Timothy 1.7 says this, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That's the promise of God. And then one of probably the greatest passages along these lines is in the second part of 1 John 4, 4. The second half of that verse simply says this, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Regardless of the schemes of the devil, regardless of how powerful the enemy is, God has given us this promise, for he who is in you, through putting on the gospel, is greater than he who is in the world. We're moving back into more worship. And as we sing together this morning, I want you to keep that truth in mind that he who was within you is greater than he who is within the world.
before me. There's Amos running flee. At the mention of the name, King of Majesty, there is no power in hell or any who can stand. Pray for the power and the presence of great I am, 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 hallelujah, holy, holy, God almighty, the great I am, who is worthy, none beside thee, God almighty, the great I am, the great I am, the great I am, the mountains shake before him. The demons run and flee, and at the mention of the name, King of Majesty, there is no power in hell or any who can stand before the power and the presence of the great I am, the great I am, the great I am.
Nice job, by the way. <laughs> that was awesome. Good morning again. If you read with me from Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verses 10 through 12 say this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in, in the heavenly places. The very beginning of this passage, verse 10 it says, finally, be strong in the Lord. You could also translate that phrase, be strong in the Lord, as strengthen yourselves in the Lord. And by the power of his might, the, one of the great things that we need to learn, we need to understand immediately when we think about spiritual battle, when we think about these things, is, is that the strength that we have, the power that we have to engage in this spiritual battle comes from God. It's his power. It's his strength. He's the one that prepares us. He's the one that gives us the, the strength and the power. It's the strength of his might. And there's no greater strength in the universe than the power of Jesus, the power of God. So why do we need this kind of power? Why do we need this kind of strength? The, the scripture tells us that, that there's an enemy, the devil. And again, I, I know this can be an uncomfortable topic, but, but ignoring the fact that there is evil and, uh, can, be, can be even worse for us. Paul's teaching that we need to be prepared and prepared in a way that's effective and powerful against this enemy who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. We're called in verse 11 to put on the full armor of God to be completely prepared we want everything God has for us. We want to be completely prepared for whatever we come against in our lives. And so Paul says, put on the whole armor. Don't leave anything off. Don't just simply put on your, your favorite part of the um, armor. Don't just put on the part of the armor that makes you f feel like you look the best. It's interesting because in, in Rome, uh, the, the picture that Paul had of a soldier was a Roman soldier and they were the predominant army in the world of that day. They were the greatest army. They had the most soldiers. Uh, they were the most powerful army in the world at that time. And they always had their armor ready to go. One of the interesting things about Roman armor is that the Roman government didn't necessarily issue armor to all of their soldiers. But sometimes the armor was passed down from father to son. Sometimes that, uh, the armor was bought. Sometimes the armor was gotten in other ways. And, and it didn't really matter to them if all of the armor in the army matched as long as it was effective. And it's very much the same in our lives, isn't it? That God has promised us, he's given us the opportunity to have the full armor. But it's not about what that armor looks like so much. Is it's the question is, is it effective? Is it the right armor? We, we sometimes get lost in, you know, do, do, I, do I look like everybody else or do I look better than people? Do, you know, how's this fit? All of those things. But it's not about that. It's about being prepared to face the enemy. 
he talks about put on the full armor of God that you may be able to withstand in verse 13 the evil day and having done all to stand firm. One of the great traits of a Roman soldier was the fact that they were called to stand firm. They were called to stay in place that when the enemies come in, they stood in place. They would stand firm until they were given the order to charge or they were given the order to go forward. But Roman armies were famous for standing in place, standing firm. In fact, one of the unique things about their sandals is that they had, they had little studs on the bottoms so that they could dig their feet in, so they could plant their feet firm to stand firm. And we're going to be challenged. We're going to be given the opportunity to put on the full armor of God so that we may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. The, the next thing that he tells us is the stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. So now we're going to start looking at parts of the armor. And the first part of the armor that he says is to put on the, the belt of truth. Now, the belt in a, for a Roman soldier was, uh, it was something that was worn that it held up their sword. It held up everything else. And it was a central part uh, of what they wore and, and the picture that we have here is that a central part of what we wear on is that we wear the armor of God is the belt of truth. And what's the truth? Uh, the truth is who God is. The truth is how much God loves us. The truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the truth is how God has called us to live. It's centered on the scripture. It's cent centered on the directions that God has given us for our lives. And so he says, put on the belt of truth that, that we may be able to stand against the, the schemes of the devil, that we can stand against the schemes. Now, here's the, here's the thing. We, we have an adversary, and, and what this passage tells us is that, that the adversary doesn't always come at us directly, but that he's a schemer, that he's a tricker. Is that a real word, tricker? I don't know. He tricks us. I know he's a schemer. That worked right away. Yeah, just, okay. He tricks us. He, he tries to get us focused on other things. He tries to get us going the wrong direction. He tries to fool us that he is filled with schemes. And two of his greatest schemes, two of the greatest schemes that the enemy does uh, one is temptation and the other is accusation. Two of the greatest schemes of the devil, one is temptation, the other is accusation. Temptation is, uh, is, is causes us to think more highly of ourselves. Temptation is, I can handle that. Temptation is, look at all that I've been doing. I deserve that. And we think more highly of ourselves and we are tempted then to change the rules. We're tempted to say, this should be mine. I deserve that, uh, that I, I can handle this on my own. And suddenly we find ourselves in trouble, don't we? Accusation is just the opposite. Accusation is that we see, uh, have, we have too low of a view of ourselves. And, and we look at our lives and we say, I'll never make it. I'll never get past this. I'll never live down what's happened in my life. And so we have these two things. We have this temptation, which causes us to think more highly of ourselves than we should. And then we have accusation, constantly accusing us 
making us think too lowly of ourselves, that we'll never matter, that we'll never make it, that we'll never be everything that we think we should be or that we think God wants us to be. And so we constantly live with those. Those are two of the greatest schemes of the evil one. He is a tricker and he is a liar. And so what does the scripture tell us to do? He says to put on the belt of, the, of truth. What's the truth? The truth is, are we tempted and are we accused? Yes. But what do we know about ourselves? We know about ourselves that, first of all, God loves us so much that he values us so much that he gave his life for us. And how can we think lowly of ourselves? How can we think so little of ourselves when God gave everything to rescue us, when God gave everything to save us? But the same is true on the other side, that when we are tempted, we're reminded that without Christ, we're completely lost, that all of us have sinned, all of us deserve the penalty of sin, and Christ, by his love, rescued us, and he gave his life for us. And so when we are tempted, when we face the schemes of the enemy, we put on the belt of truth. We take the truth of who Jesus is. We take the truth of the gospel and it allows us, it defends us. It allows us to do battle with those schemes and others that we might find ourselves in. And then he says, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. You know, one of the great attributes of this breastplate that, that the soldiers wore is that protected your heart from a sword thrust or a spear thrust or even an arrow, hopefully. And he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. We just put on truth. And now he says the next part of the armor is to put on the breastplate of righteousness. So here's what he's saying to us. He's saying, now we begin to live out the truth. You, you see, the, the, the greatest thing is to live consistently in the truth that we've been given, that, that our life is consistent with the truth, that we're not constantly being thrown back and forth by those schemes, but we live by the truth of who we are in Christ, what God has done for us, how much he has done for us. And now I live a life out of that truth and I live consistently in that truth. And God protects me as I live consistently in that truth. Do I live in obedience to the truth? That might be a question that we can ask ourselves this morning. Have I put on that breastplate of righteousness that, that I have the truth and now I'm going to live it out in my life? And in verse 15, he says, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The Romans were famous for their sandals, for their shoes. I mentioned that earlier, but the other thing about their shoes was they, they were crafted in such a way that their soldiers could move faster than other soldiers. So if an enemy heard that the Romans were on the march, they were, they, they were often surprised because the army got there faster than they ever dreamed they could because of the way their shoes were made. They were allowed to move faster. And so here's what he's saying. He is saying that our shoes are a part of our readiness. He says, be ready. Put on the shoes of the gospel. Put on the shoes, that is the, the gospel of peace that Christ has given us. He's saying that I want you to be ready at all times to share the gospel. One of the greatest pictures that we have of this um, is, the, is Paul. As he's writing these words to us in Ephesians, Paul is chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. 
In Philippians, the first chapter, he talks specifically about it, that, that he's under arrest, he's chained to a Roman soldier, and you know what Paul says? Whoopee! Paul says, awesome! Guess what? I'm chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. Do you guys know what this means? Because if you're not wearing the armor of God, you're starting to feel pretty sorry for yourself, right? Look at all I've done. I've given away everything. I've risked everything for Christ. I've told people I've been beaten. I've been scourged. I've been thrown out of town. I've been stoned. All of those things. Now, why is this happening to me? And here's Paul. He's chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day, and he's going, whoopee. Yay. That's that's not really in the Greek or anything, but you get the idea, right? He says, awesome, because I have a captive audience 24 hours a day. He can't get away from me. He's going to hear about Jesus. There's nothing he can do. I can talk to him. He's not allowed to kill me. He's got to listen to me. I'm going to tell him about Christ. And what Paul said is that because of that, the gospel went out to the whole Praetorian guard, the whole royal guard, the palace guard heard about Jesus. Many of them came to faith in Christ because Paul was ready. It wasn't about how fast he could move. It was about his readiness to share, his readiness to speak. And when he found himself with a captive audience, he was over the top because they were going to hear about Jesus. And he was always ready with a word. And here's what I wanted you to understand this morning. Is that we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. That when someone asks us, what is it about your life? What are we going to say to them? When someone says to us that I've hit the end of my rope, I can't go any farther, I don't know what else to do, what are we going to say to them, are we ready to share the gospel of peace? And isn't it interesting that what, what, what uh, Paul talks about here, he's in the middle of a battle, he's talking about the spiritual battle, for goodness sakes, we talk about the devil, and then he says, what's the message that we get? It's a message of peace. He says, you know what, in the, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the battle, God wants to give us peace. He wants to give us wholeness. He wants to give us comfort. He wants to give us strength. He wants to give us the assurance that he'll never leave us or forsake us, that he's still God. And it's not about our circumstances and it's not about how the battle is raging around us. It's about who is in us. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And Paul was always ready to tell people about that, regardless of the circumstances. And we're called, as we put on those shoes, or the shoes of readiness, with the gospel of peace, the gospel that brings peace, the gospel that brings wholeness, that brings comfort, not based on circumstances, but based on the truth of who he is. There's another thing about shoes that I think are really cool. John Wooden. Do I have an amen, John Wooden? Basketball coach, UCLA years ago. Am I dating myself way too much? He was a great, arguably the greatest college basketball coach in history, okay? How am I doing? Okay, sorry to, yeah, John Wooden. Okay, John Wooden was famous for, for something, not just his great basketball teams, but every year, the very first practice with his UCLA basketball team, 
he would have a seminar on how to tie your shoes. First thing he would do is that he would make sure that everybody had shoes that fit just a certain way, had to be just perfect. And then he would show them how when you put on your shoes to line up your socks so the seam is right across your toes, so there's no crimping, there's no uncomfortableness then. And, and, and then he would show his players, and this is, you know, this is all these famous, and okay, you don't, you're not going to remember any of these guys, but, but, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Walton, all these guys, he would have these guys sitting down on the bench, and he would be teaching them how to lace their shoestrings and how to tie their shoes because it was so important that they had them just right. It was so important that they fit just right. And, and here's why the gospel of peace fits just right. It's because it's your story. It's only for you. It only fits you. You have a unique story. God has done something in your life that he hasn't done in anybody else's life. He has rescued you from things that nobody else has experienced. It's your life. It's your story. They're your shoes. And it fits you. They fit you just right. Well, in verse 16, he says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. I'm pretty glad for the shield of faith. I don't know about you, but when I see that whole concept of flaming darts, I'm glad there's something between me and them. And this idea that we take shots, that we take darts, that there are flaming darts that come our way, that we are in a, a real battle. And if you, if you want to know what those look like, just read the Gospels and read about the life of Jesus. Remember a time that Jesus was uh, walking into town and these religious leaders brought a woman to him and she, they threw her at his feet. And they said, you know what, Moses' law says to kill her. What do you say? They start throwing darts. What's he going to say? If he says, yes, kill her, they're going to say, well, you've been preaching love. You've been preaching forgiveness. You're just a hypocrite. Wh what do you know? But if he says no, he says, if he says no, don't, then, then they're going to say, well, you're breaking Moses' law because this is the law. And they're throwing those darts at Jesus. They're, they're throwing those, trying to trick him up, try trying, to, um, trying to embarrass him, uh, trying to humiliate him in front of everybody that's around. And Jesus has his shield up. And it extinguishes those darts. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he asks the Father, Lord, if there's any other way, Father, if there's any other way to do this. But he has a shield up. He says, it's not my will, but it's your will be done. And in our lives, if we take shots for things that, you know, if we take shots for our faith, if we take shots for our righteousness, if we take shots for uh, our walk with Christ, he says, hold up the shield of faith. And, and you know what faith is? Faith is belief in things that you haven't seen, but God's promised them to you, and he's promised us that he'll keep us and protect us. I don't always know when, how this is going to end. I don't always know uh, what's going to happen, but I know that my faith is firmly in Christ, and he's promised to protect me. And so we hold up the shield of faith. And then he says, take the helmet of salvation in verse 17. And I'm pretty convinced that there's a helmet of salvation because I'm generally a head case. That I forget. 
that I doubt, that I wonder, and that I need to be reminded of the gospel. I need to be reminded of my salvation. I need to be reminded that my salvation comes from Christ. I need to be assured that as a follower of Christ, he is keeping his promises, that he's protecting me because I don't always see it in my circumstances. I don't always see it in the world around me. If you just look at the world, sometimes you sort of wonder, are we losing? We kind of want winners and losers, don't we, in our lives? But we don't always get that. But what we get is the promise that God will see us through, the promise that God will give us an abundant life, the promise that God will save us, that he cares about us, that he's paying attention to what's going on in our lives. And he says, put on the helmet of salvation. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Be reminded of what Christ has done for you. Be reminded of the assurance that he loves you, that that he has saved you, that you belong to him, that your place in heaven is secure. Put that helmet on every day as you go into battle so that you don't forget. And then he says, put on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the only offensive weapon that's mentioned here. And, And in the Greek, the word for sword that's used here is actually a short sword. It's meant for close contact, close close combat. You know, earlier he said, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And and so we have this idea both at the top end and the bottom end of this passage that this is close contact, that this this is combat that happens up close, that you don't just get to stand back a couple of miles and lob hand grenades or shoot bombs, but you're right in the middle of the fray. You're right in the middle of the battle. And he says the, the word of God is the word of the spirit. It's God breathed. It came from him. He gave us his instruction book. He gave us the power book. He's offered it to us. And he says, now you use that as your offensive weapon that you're prepared that you, and that you remember it. And remember in Mark and Matthew 4, sorry, that Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And each time that Jesus was tempted, he came back at the tempter with the gospel, with the word of God, with scripture that the scripture was so immediate in his mind, the scripture was so instant in his mind that that's the first thing that he did when he was tempted by the devil. He came immediately back with scripture. And the picture for us that that we get from Ephesians is that we are constantly prepared uh, to, to battle with the word of God, that we're reminded constantly that it's always on our mind, that we've read it, we've studied it, we've prayed through it, we've soaked it into every pore of our body, that when we are confronted with a situation in our lives, that the word of God immediately comes to mind that it's just part of who we are that we know it and it requires that we take the Bible seriously doesn't it it requires that we do some serious looking at the Bible and say Lord use this to prepare me to strengthen me this is the weapon that you've given me against the into battle against the enemy and it's 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 the word of your spirit it's infused it's breathed by you It's the power that you've given me by your spirit. And I want to use it for you. So it's a short sword that we use for combat. We study, we memorize, we pray through it, we practice it. And God uses it in the battle. But we have to take his word seriously. Now, the last thing that that he says to us, is he says, in, starting in verse 18, he says, praying at all times in the spirit 
with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that the words may be given to me, opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Wow. He says, praying at all times in the spirit. One of the things that we've talked about in this rooted series is that, is that the spirit of God lives in us. The resurrection spirit of Jesus Christ dwells in us and, 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 and helps us as we pray, intercedes for us as we pray. And so what Paul is saying is he says, recognize that the spirit of God lives in you and now pray, make contact with God because he wants to stay in contact with you. He wants that relationship with you. And what praying does, Paul tells us, is it keeps us alert and it helps us to persevere because we keep that connection with the spirit of God in our lives. And so he says, be alert. Don't fall asleep. Don't let go. One of the great things, uh, truths in history is that when Rome had conquered pretty much everything that they could conquer, the soldier's job really changed. And it, it became primarily guarding what they'd conquered. And, and there was a time when the Roman army felt like they were so powerful and they were so strong that, that these Roman soldiers guarding uh, their property, guarding the kingdom, guarding whatever they were asked to guard, that the shield started to feel kind of heavy to them. And, and it didn't seem necessary because nobody was attacking them. Nobody was shooting missiles at them. And, and so they set the shield aside and, and the sword got kind of cumbersome and the helmet got hot for them. And it was hard to move around with that breastplate on. And, and so they started piece by piece getting rid of pieces of, arm, of armor until Rome was attacked, the Roman army was attacked, and the soldiers were no longer prepared to do battle, and Rome was destroyed. One of the reasons that Rome was destroyed was because the army was no longer prepared. Paul says in prayer, we learn to persevere. We learn to stay alert. We learn to trust the strength of God to keep the shield in place, to keep that breastplate in place, to keep the helmet in place so that God can do his work in our lives as we fight this battle. Praying reminds us that we're dependent on God. Prayer gives us the power to put on the armor and reminds us that we fight our battles in the power of his spirit, not in our own strength. And we would never want to be prepared for any scheme or any uh, battle without the armor of God, without being prepared with everything that we can have. It simply does not make sense to say, I'll just take my chances. I'll just see how it goes. I'll go into battle without the proper armor. I'll go into battle without the proper things. We want to be rooted deep. We want to be prepared for any challenge, and that requires training, and it requires faith. And here's the other thing that he says. He says, and pray, making supplication for all the saints. You know what he says in this process is that we pray for each other. 
that we care about each other. You see, if we're in battle, then we're part of the army of God. That means we really need each other in this battle. We need to consider what each other in, in the process in our lives, in the battle in our lives. We know that we can't do this on our own. We need the power of God in our lives, but we need each other as we go into battle. We go together. And he says, so pray for each other. And then I love this because Paul says in the end, and pray for me because I'm an ambassador in chains. He's chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. He says, pray that I might speak boldly. Paul did not have a great retirement plan. It was preach boldly until I'm dead, until they kill me. That's the re- that, that was his retirement plan. But what he understood is that he was going to wear the armor of God and that God was going to use him and protect him, that his life was going to matter, that his life was going to count, that God had something for him. And God has something for you this morning. God has given us everything that we need. It's just time for us to put it on. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word the truth of your word. Lord, maybe we've been tempted, maybe we feel accused, but those are not the truth this morning, Lord, and I pray that you would, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds that we might understand uh, who we are in Christ, in you, and Lord, that you would help us then, that you would outfit us with the whole armor that we might stand firm against the schemes of the evil one. Lord, that we might be ready with the gospel of peace. And Lord, that we might pray for each other as we serve, as we serve in this battle together. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Great.